Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. It is Friday. It is time for another trek. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you, my friend? I am well. What an episode we had this week. Uh, yes, just from this episode and also the preview of the next episode, I think we're in for some crazy times. Some stellar trek. Yes, yeah, stellar some trek. seriously good trek. Stellar trek. I'm excited. Yes, this episode was so dope. So dope. We got some questions answered. We got some new we questions did. to ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, indeed. Well, welcome out there, ladies, gentlemen, and uh, aliens, and all others, to another episode of Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Uh, today, we will be discussing season three, episode eight, Sanctuary. It is star date Sanctuary. <laughs> Someone had to do that. You know, no, it's good that. It was good that it was you. I thought it was going to be you. No, because, <laughs> you know, I already have trouble. Uh, uh-huh. So it's good if you bounce. If you're silly, it's a good yeah. balance because then it doesn't seem like I'm a complete fool the whole time. Uh, this episode directed by Jonathan Frakes. Frakesy. Frakes himself. Frakesy. And what we expect to see from Frakesy is a little bit of a little bit of uh, emotes. Mm-hmm. emojis love hugs and all that kind of thing he got a lot of different emotions in this mm. in this one yeah he does like a little humor humor our freaking oh he always gives us a little a little lightness yes a little uh you know a meringue atop the the heavy custard <laughs> of star trek discovery oh, God. yeah i've been watching the great uh-huh. british baking show I see you and everyone else. Yeah. It's top in the Netflix queues. Well, I'm at home and uh, I've never seen it before. We don't have to talk about that on this show. That's a different podcast. That's a different podcast. <laughs> Another time. That's got enough episodes to drive us insane. Okay. <laughs> so why don't we run this thing down? How light is your sponge? It's mm. time to run it down. <laughs> Can you run it down for me? This is what happens when I substitute tea for gin on a Friday. Yeah, Mm. it's a little bit claggy. Um, Okay, (laughs) let's talk about Sanctuary, the episode. Sanctuary! Yes, great. You can just do that. How many times we can do that in an episode? Oh, easily, a billion times. Um, Okay, so we, okay, calm down, Burmese. I'm here. I'm ready. Okay. So we begin the episode with Hugh and Giorgio. Because remember, Giorgio has that whole, her brain is not working right. And she yep. like has these fits. And it turns out she's suffering some sort of brain dysfunction that Hugh Culber thinks might, uh, could drive her mad. She would stop recognizing the faces of people she knows and maybe even her own face. Hmm. Uh, but uh, Giorgio is, a, as you can imagine, a, a prickly patient. And she she barely wants help. She, in fact, 
she's threatening Culver throughout most of <laughs> his interview with her. And then finally, he seems to be able to get her to sit down for like a scan or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Michael comes in to check and Giorgio starts up, starts up being angry again. Uh, at one point, uh, Dr. Culver says her heart rate is elevated and Giorgio says it's rage. So <laughs> she's a great patient. Anyway, <laughs> Michael makes an exit. She runs into book. Oh, yeah. In the hallway. Are we going to play? Let's play a little book. Book's lament. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Michael. I like we need to go to my home planet of Quijan. Yeah. My brother, Kaheem, has contacted me. And the chain is coming after them. Oh, yeah. I am so mad at you that we've been missing out on that for seven episodes. I didn't know that that's how it was going to go. That just occurred to me to do that. And it's great. Anyway. We must do that every single time. That's what he sounds like when he's talking. Uh <laughs> So that's the that's the basic thing. He has a brother that's that's like I guess not quite a literal brother, uh, from his home planet of of uh, Quezon, and apparently Osiris is threatening the planet, and so needs Book to come there. And Book asks Michael to come, and Michael says it's going to take two weeks to get there by warp or trans warp tunnel or whatever. But Disco could go there in a second, so we need help. And so Book goes with Michael and Saru to see Admiral Vance. And Vance is like, oh, I got 50 other star systems that are on the verge of collapse due to things having to do with the burn and their debts to the chain. I don't know that I can spare Disco right now. Mm. And Saru actually uh, comes up with the plan to say, listen, maybe we go there as, quote, observers, uh, diplomatically. And we see if the chain, if Osira and the chain wish to talk. And uh, Vance agrees to it, but he's like, hey, you can go. Purely diplomatic, defensive posture only. And if anything seems dangerous, you jump out of there immediately. Which, of course, no one follows that order. But, hey, whatever. Have we worked out what the chain is? The emerald chain. The emerald chain. No, but she is wearing, well, in the very next scene. Yeah. You music nerds out there will get this reference. almost worth the whole thing it's pretty great too you should just listen to this just the whole thing just play it for yourself um uh so yes in the very next scene we go back to hun howl where book and michael and giorgio stage that daring escape uh, the great escape the great escape and it appears that we meet Talor once again, who ran away when things got tough. And he's explaining himself to, to Aunt Osira, who turns I, around. Yes. Were you surprised that Osira was a woman? I was not. Okay. Should I have been? I don't know. There seemed to be such surprise on everyone's face when they see Osira for the first time. The, the bridge crew of the Discovery were, that so, is were like, weird. Whoa. I feel like I knew that Osira was a woman, but I can't remember why. Does he say her nephew? When they first go to Han Hao, I think Talor says, I'm... I'm Osiris' nephew. Oh, he doesn't say her. No, he doesn't say her. How the heck did I know that? I don't know. I don't know. 
Maybe I just assumed nobody was going to get things done. Maybe. Um, I have no idea, but I was, I liked her reveal. I liked her turnaround, mm-hmm. her pitiless eyes boring into Tolor. And she says, mm-hmm. oh, I miss your father every day. And he goes, oh, well, you just had to do what you had to do to keep the chain alive. And she goes, you remind me of him. And then she transports him into one of the transworm cages and the transworm. She's like, oh, you won't even feel it. Don't be so childish. But it does seem like he does feel it because he's screaming. Oh, as he, he totally gets feels eaten, it. Right. And you can see his legs flying. Yeah, he's like, ah, as he gets eaten by the evil, evil, beautiful transworm. And uh, then Osiris, uh, in that conversation, we find out that Osiris knows who Book is. Uh, and she says, of course, I know who, who staged this escape. I need to get Rin. And so she hops on her ship and she goes off somewhere. And that is when we hit the credits. When we return, Saru and Tilly, this is a typical Frakes moment. They're walking down the hallway. Saru's new number one is Tilly. And they're discussing the situation. Are you ready to go? Are we ready to get there? Are we ready to jump to, 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 I can't, Quijan. And she's like, yeah, of course. And she, he's, what's going on with Linus? Like he's in his quarters until he finishes fully shedding for the next 24 hours. Apparently Linus has been shedding and Rin has recovered and wants to talk to Saru. And then Saru says, what about that uh, other matter that we had to work on? And apparently Tilly has been working on coming up with a signature order, I think is what it's called. Yeah, for Saru. So he doesn't have yes, he doesn't have an engage or a hit it or uh, whatever. But so uh, Tilly's been working on them. The suggestions I wrote down are hit it with a different emphasis than Pike, execute and manifest. I think those are the three she suggested, and they they're all pretty bad. Yeah, they were pretty terrible. (laughs) Um, I'm just realizing I didn't write down what it became in my notes, but I remember it. Carry on. Carry on. Mm. Yes. Or was that? Yeah, I thought that was. Yeah, carry you on. You didn't like that? I, I thought that was very. Eh, it seemed to sit. A, is it? Well, it certainly sat better than manifest or and execute. execute. Yeah, but you know, it it did, it did seem to be you know the best of a bad bunch. Yeah, I mean, what is Saru doesn't really? What's he gonna say? Like, let's do this. You know, punch it. No, I didn't say that. Continue. I think carry on is pretty good for him. He's so he's so you know. For lack of a better description or analog, very British and polite. Hmm. You know, if you have on. thoughts, then please let us know. Yes, if you think there should be a better, as Steph says, command, um, then let's hear it. Anyway, so uh, they're working on that. They go into engineering. They meet up with Stamets and Adira, who are working on the signals from the black boxes. They have found the location of the beginning of the burn. To a certain extent, it is the Verubin Nebula, and uh, they are hearing a weird signal coming from it that's not just like background micro microwave radiation. The signal is that melody. Mm. I heard the Barzan family singing, and that Adira knows from one of one of their past hosts, and that's spoiling the next thing. But for, before we move on to that, they also find out that if they if they work on that calculation or take out the interference from the nebula, it turns into a Federation distress call and that apparently there should be an encoded message in that distress call. And so Adira and Stamets need to work on the algorithm to parse out what the encoded message of said uh, distress call would be. But apparently they, they all think there might be a ship in there that's stuck, that's lost, and that possibly started the burn. Just curious. Mm. Um, as they leave, Adira confronts Stamets about 
pronouns because Stannis mm. refers to Adira as her several times in the conversation. She. And Adira as she. She's yes, really good. She's really good at this and she can do her, this al- oh, algorithm yeah, okay. in a couple of hours. Yeah, that's the. And I thought she was just pissed off because she's like, hey, you know, like, it's going to take more that. than a couple of hours. But, but I guess I was thinking about how you were like, I thought we were going to get a gender non-binary character and mm, not just an I actor. And I and after you mentioned that in the first episode, second episode, it was Earth, the Earth one. So the sec, third episode, mm. uh, mm-hmm. I did go back and look. And the articles were like a little cagey on that because it was definitely like actor, but I think it was kind of hinting at character. But I, yeah. I guess they decided to reveal it to let it unravel a bit more mm. organically, I guess. Yeah. Um, anyway, I thought it was actually, it was well-timed uh, because Adira has been sort of in and out and there was never enough time to like sort of for Adira to interface with anybody on that level. But now that they have this relationship with Stamets, it seems like the appropriate person to, you know, to broach that subject. Mm-hmm. With. And they say that they hadn't, no one else had known about that except for Gray, the boyfriend, who also has disappeared of late. Yes. He's no longer hanging around, which, you know, for me, I find the whole dead person lingering in my subconscious so that I can see them in real life terrifying. But hey, whatever. Whatever floats your boat, folks. Did you watch, uh, did you manage to watch Ready Room this week with Will Wheaton? Of course, I did not manage to watch Ready oh, Room this dear. Week with Will Wheaton. Well, well, Will what, Wheaton. What did they have to comment on this? Will Wheaton. Yes. Interviewed Blue Del Barrio and Ian Alexander. Yes. And discussed um, Blue's scene coming out as uh, non-binary. Yeah. And it was really lovely. And it turned out that Blue at that point was coming out to their family at the same time as having the actor? to do the scene. Yes. Oh. So I think that the scene was really very true for them. Oh, as they were taping the scene, of course. Yeah. Yes. Because so I was going to say there was time. a whole article about it. That would have been. Yeah. So presumably they got ahead of the article in. I guess so. Speaking to their family. One would hope. Hmm. Um, yes. So the disco does the jump to Quajan and Michael and Book go to the surface and they find out that Os- Osira on her ship the Viridian, <laughs> Emerald Chain, uh, is 30 minutes out. 30 minutes out and on its way. I also wrote, yeah. We'll just keep going. That's good. Um, and Book seems pretty terrified and they think they can get down there and get into the sanctuary, which apparently has some sort of like electromagnetic protection, so it's hard to communicate through it. But they can get down there and figure out what the situation is and get back maybe before Osiris gets there, but maybe not. And... Uh, I wrote Nota Bene. Detmer is going through a little, a little like uh, side issue that she's had engineering re-rig her controls because apparently she wasn't hip to, she wasn't into the the programmable matter that adjusts to her particular thing. She wanted quote safeguards. She said she needed mm-hmm. safeguards. And oh yeah, actually, Owashakun says that uh, before the only safeguard you needed was you, which I thought was nice. Meanwhile, also, Giorgio is getting a, a more full, uh, one might say, invasive scan in sickbay with both Dr. Culver and Dr. Pollard there. And we turn the page on my extensive notes. She's upset about her outfit. <laughs> she says it makes her look like a human-sized sperm. And <laughs> I guess I wouldn't have thought of that, but when she said it, I couldn't stop seeing it. 
anyway, they're going to do like this whole biomolecular nano scan of her. And so she goes under the scope of that. Meanwhile, Adira and Samets are in what I assume is the holodeck because I've never seen a room that had a grand piano and cello in it before. But they're like, I guess they're waiting for the algorithm to work through the material. It's going to take a couple of hours. And Adira is is sort of distracted because of Gray's absence. And Stamets is like, let's just, while we're waiting for these things to come together, let's just play music. I wonder. So the original Discovery would not have had a holodeck. So is this a new addition now that we have programmable matter? It could be. I was thinking that too. Maybe they're just like, hey, make a piano for us. <laughs> Or they just had uh, a music room put in there. Yeah. Well, it's, uh-huh. I mean, there's the original discovery was only because of Lorca did it seem like so utilitarian, but it was a scientific vessel. But it if you think like, about, but yeah, but like timing wise, it was before Holodeck. Oh, yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. But I'm saying maybe there was a rec room. I don't know maybe. where they would hear sure. music. Absolutely. I can think of many performance, the, the room, original yeah. series episodes. Not many, but enough where there were concerts. Very weird, weird 60s alien music concerts. Uh, Go back and look for those episodes, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. So that's what they're doing. Uh, Also on the ship, Rin bursts into Saru's office. And Rin says, who's the captain? I need to talk to them. Until he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not how you do it. Try one more time with the, the respect that the... The seat of captain deserves. She shuts Rin down. Uh, Tilly is being a great number one. She is. Okay. I don't know. If Undoubtedly. You're... Okay. Yeah. If you were like, I don't know. I think so. Anyway. No, she was. Rin's like, I need to get out of here. And then they're like, sure, we can leave you on the planet. It's it's Quajan down there. And also Osiris on the way. She'll be here in 15 minutes. So we could just drop you off here if you think that's cool. And then he's like, oh, what? Huh? Um, so. Book and Michael down on the planet. They enter the quote sanctuary. Sanctuary. Yes, and you really—I mean—it's just great that you do a live. Uh, and we uh, added like reverb sanctuary. That's pretty good. <laughs> Man, if you're listening at home, you're probably like, "What a sumptuous aural experience this is." Oh yeah. Uh, between the chain and the book song and sanctuary. I used to be able to do like the, the owl thing, but thankfully there are no owls sounds required. I was never able to do that. And I went to summer camp for 13 years. Work on it. Cause you don't know. Book talks to everything. There could be trans owls. Later. Later. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm not saying you have to do it now. I'll work on it. Yeah. It would be impressive if you did. Okay. So meanwhile, they see some, some of these sea locusts floating in the air and Book demonstrates that he's able to get some of them to move aside because they're sort of like swarming as they move through. Uh, but he says like it's not, he doesn't make them move. He just asks them if they would. And uh, as they're doing that, they're then captured by whom? By, by Kahim and uh, his fellows. It does seem very Robin Hood, doesn't it? Yeah, they're like, uh-huh. he, yeah, he just put, he's like, put your hands up. They've got us. I almost, for a second, I thought there was going to be some sort of net that would pull them up. I, yeah, I was waiting for some, yeah, some sort of rustic Lost Boys Robin Hood Peter Pan yeah. trap. Uh, but instead, they just showed up with guns. And um, <laughs> it was sort of an arrow thing. It was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Out. It was like a shot out of an arrow. It seemed like a like a non, non, what do you call it? Non, not non mortal. 
Lethal? Non-lethal weapon, yes. Like a wee uh, crossbow thingy. A wee crossbow that I guess just knocks you out. Maybe it's just like a tranquilizer, you know? Pew, 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 pew. Pew, 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 pew. Also, a book is called by Kahim uh, Tarex, which apparently mm. he says, ah, you don't, don't call me that anymore. My name's book. But it's an interesting little thing to think about because we never really get the story on that. While they're being captured, Giorgio is going bonkers under her scan and she's having one of her episodes and her vitals are off the charts. And also as the doctors are watching her in the like weird film that she's in, her face is distorting all spiky and weirdly, which is super creepy. And they're like, what the what? Um, and then she gets through the scan and wakes up and she immediately storms out angrily. And she also steals one of the scanners that they use to scan her <laughs> to do some research of her own. Back down to Kwajan, Book and Kahim argue. Uh, and basically we find out that what Kahim wanted was for Book to show up because Osira wanted Book to give them Rin because Rin had been one of the prisoners that escaped from Hunhao. Excuse me. If... They don't get Rin to Osira, then Osira won't give them the repellent. They need the repellent in order to repel the sea locusts who apparently eat all the crops. And if they eat all the crops, then the society will starve and collapse. And so the this is part of the story of how the chain is is leveraging various uh, worlds and cultures uh, after the burn who need their technology or things that they can provide since they're unable to move about the stars themselves. However, Book refuses to sell Rin back into slavery, and so they reach an impasse. At that moment, the Viridian arrives, da-da-da-da, or the opposite, da-da-da-da, and... Yes, and it scans Discovery, and Discovery scans it, and then it get hailed by Osira, and Osira's like, hey, what's up, Saru? And Saru's like, hey, what's up, Osira? And Osira's like, yo, give me Rin. And Saru's like, nah, I'm not going to give you Rin. She's like, he's a wanted man. You're going to hold him away from me? And he's like, nah, nah, nah. But seriously, though, how is he wanted? I don't know. Nothing that the Federation has told me means that he's wanted. And she's like, oh, yeah, well, he signed a contract with us, and he broke that contract. And Saru's like, hey, that's slavery. And she's like, slavery? What are you talking about? And he's like, I'm surprised that the Orions would believe in slavery since they were slaves themselves. And she's like, we believe that suffering has no nobility to it. You have five minutes to give me Rin, or I'm going to blow you out of the sky. That's basically their conversation in a nutshell. <laughs> Well done. Uh, that was a good summary. Thank you. Uh, at the after that impasse, two impasses going on now. Osira con- uh, contacts Kahim directly via like a you know a holograph hologram, <laughs> and she's now saying, "Okay, you can't get me Rin. He's on that ship you brought the Federation with you. So give me Book and whoever's down there with the set the Federation for leverage." Now despite the fact that there seems to be some serious enmity between Kahim and Book slash Tarex because of Book's absence for the last 15 years, and also Kahim apparently working as a trance worm hunter poacher for the chain because the payment for the repellent was trance worms. Um, Kahim is not eager to turn over Book uh, to Osira for her purposes. Uh so Osiris like fine, then I'll just bombard your 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 sanctuary. Sanctuary. Uh, every minute I will burn ten hectares or something like that of forest. 
Heptakers. 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 Was I think you were right the first time? I don't think I was right. I should have written it down, but I. Fun fact. Yes. Do you know which planet that is a measurement of land of? No. Bajoran. Bajora. Bajora. Bajor. Bajor. Thank you. Sorry. I was like, Bajoran. Bajoran. Yeah, I didn't know. To say, yes. That you should have put it together because that isn't. I think that came from Deep Space Nine. Oh yeah, it's Deep Space Nine all over the place. Bajor, Bajor is Bajor. Also, mm-hmm. Rack to Gino. All right. So while the Hepatapticals are being uh, attacked by uh, the Viridian, Book and Burnham flee. But I think they're fleeing to try and fix the defense, the defenses of the sanctuary, as opposed to like get away from Kahim. Uh, and meanwhile, um, Disco, Saru is wondering, hmm, why does Osiris want Rin so very badly? And Rin's like, well, I happen to know something uh, that could give us leverage. And they're like, what is it? And he's like, I won't tell. So uh, at the same, so I guess they're like, okay, well, Osiris firing on the planet. Michael's still down there. We can't get in contact through the the defenses of the sanctuary. Sanctuary! Sanctuary! Uh, and thus, we go to Red Alert. Alert. Thanks, Dad. It's been a while. Thanks, Steph's Dad. Um, <laughs> uh, Giorgio, just as the Red Alert is being sounded, has, like, hacked into one of the terminals and hacked into the sensor and sees what's going on with her brain scan and sees that it means, I guess she determines that it's mortal and she's going to die. But Culber, into, she's Red Alert. She, like, turns around and goes, Michael, like, she's about to do something, you know. Uh, ill-advised and off the books and probably deadly as she's done in every episode to pretty great effect every time she gets involved, but less and less as she goes through these, these things where she loses time. But Culber confronts her with two security officers and is like, Oh no, 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 you can't go out there. You'll be a liability to Michael. And she says, I'm going to die. And he says, it's quote, it's not that cut and dry. And then they go and talk. Dun, 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 mystery. We have no idea what goes on there. Uh, Book and Michael are running. They still can't contact Disco. Disco can't find any weaknesses in the Viridian ship. Rin then offers to help. He's like, I know the weaknesses of the ship, but Disco can't engage without creating a sort of diplomatic incident, like basically setting the Federation to war with the Emerald Chain. The Emerald Chain. The the Emerald Chain. Uh, Tilly suggests that perhaps... Uh, their main pilot go rogue with a ship that is not Discovery and attack the ship. Looking at Detmer, wink, wink, winkity, wink, and thinking about Book's ship, wink, wink, winkity, wink, and looking at Rin, wink, wink, winkity, wink. And Detmer looks back at her and looks a little unsure, but then is like, I can do this. Uh, so, next page. Huh. Um, Detmer and Rin take on the Viridian in Book's ship, which I don't think has a name. I kind of, I did a quick Google of it and couldn't figure it out. He just refers to it as my ship. <clears throat> I didn't recall the name either. Uh, yeah, I, I'll, look, I'll look deeper in one of the wikis or something and see if there's something about that. But um, while that's happening, Book and Michael get surrounded once again by Kahim's people. And uh, they're about to be taken captive again, but they are knocked to the ground by the explosions caused by the photon torpedoes of the Viridians' uh, bombardment of the sanctuary. Sanctuary! And that manages to give everyone... um, So they fight. You know, they're like... 
uh, you know, fighting with gun, pick up the game, punch, kick, uh, double pew, pew, hand, pew, pew, pew. boom, boom, boom. All we the have stuff. Yeah. yeah. Never mind. Stuff happens. So, meanwhile, on Bookship, they've been taking on the Viridian themselves, like sort of like a gnat, like a mosquito. Uh, and they're attacking it, but there's no real, like, result. And Rin is telling Detmer, just keep at it. You're definitely harming the ship. Uh, but then their shields are down to 10%, and Rin is like, I think we should retreat because we're about to get destroyed. And Detmer says they have to stay there because Michael's not clear, so they have to stay there until Michael can get out of the the attack radius. And uh, Rin's like, you sure you want to do this? And Detmer says, if you can face something, you can beat it. And then she switches to full manual mode. And also oh, Grudge yeah. the Cat jumps into uh, Rin's lap and he freaks out because he doesn't know what a cat is. And then they destroy the weapons platform uh, or like weapons generating systems of the Viridian and cause it to be dead in the water. That is happening as Kahim finds Book and Michael and then Kahim and Book fight like total brother fight, like on the ground, meow, 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 you know. You know, awkward, like just short of like pulling each other's shirts up and giving someone a wedgie. Exactly. Yeah. It was that kind of fight. Eventually, Kahin gets the upper hand and Book uh, distracts him, and then Book gets the upper hand, and then they both get up. And then Book's like, I know what you want. I know that Asira is going to want me and Michael. And he's like, You know what? Turn me over. If you want to betray me, brother, then go ahead and do it. And Kahim does the whole, uh, I can't do it thing. Uh, and then they look up to see uh, what's going on. They can actually see the dogfight in space of Bookship and the Viridian. And uh, Kahim says, well, we'll starve if I don't give her over to you. And he goes, my son. And the book says, you have a son? Because <laughs> it's been 15 years since he had been back to the planet. Anyway, Osiris dead in the water. They decide to stand down. They retreat, but not before Osiris says, you will pay for this next time, Discovery. And uh, you know what? I got some real, like, con vibes from Osiris. Anyway, I was kind of into it. It was, like, just smart and malevolent and heartless. And hopefully there will be a time when Osiris... My dream... I'll save this for tenfold time. Okay, so... uh, We still haven't got an FX for that. I well, I have one here. I just haven't recorded it because it's going to take some zhuzhing. Uh, <laughs> We're at episode eight, so get on it. Well, what do you want me to do? I'm not a genius. Kahin believes that the people will starve because even though he is also an empath slash space druid like Book, the two of them together still wouldn't be strong enough to contact all the many, many, many sea locusts and get them to go back to the sea. However, Michael says, hmm, I have a plan. And they use Discovery's deflector disc to boost the signal of their empathic powers. This is real science. And that allows the two brothers facing each other to chant and their heads glow and they talk to all the locusts on the planet and send them back into the ocean. And Quajan is saved. Done. And so we get a few last uh, like scenes. Detmer who's been so shaky since the beginning of the season is at the table, just being super macho. Like, yeah, then I went full, whatever. And I blew that chip up and it was great. (laughs) Rin told me where to shoot. And I just shot, man. All right. Uh, Which I enjoyed. Rin is alone, but he does give like a thumbs up. Like that's true. Tilly comes over and says, Hey, you're a hero. So stop being a sad Andorian. And he says, listen, I got to tell you something. And he tells her the secret. What is the secret? The secret is the Emerald chain. 
They're oh. the secret is the Emerald Chain. They're about to run out of dilithium too. And only Rin knew that, and now Tilly does. <laughs> Going to the bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, once you're done gasping at that, uh, we also get a final scene with Booker, uh, Michael, Kahim, and his son Leto. And they're walking through the corridors, and that's basically where they sort of are patching things up. Um, Book mentions to Kahim that even though Disco is not his home, he does like being there. He wants to be in a place that makes a difference. Quijan will always be his home, but he's thinking about hanging out with them where they can change things in the galaxy. Michael is surprised at this information, but leaves with Leto. And then Book promises to explain his change of name to Kahim some other time and the brothers I'm going to force you into this oh yeah book says yeah there's a story to my name Kahim but maybe I'll tell it to you some other time yeah and hey Michael I think I'm going to stick around for a while because I like being here with you aw yeah <laughs> I was really like controlling. Uh, you did a great the job. Fader there, yeah, between the two of that. us, we're making yeah. we're making Star Trek slow jams. We're making nerd jams. Nerd jams all the way. Um, that's basically it. There's one last little fine final super cute super freaksy scene where Adira is has fallen asleep because they've been working on the algorithms all night. And Samus is standing around and Culber shows up and goes, oh, you guys are bringing the midnight oil. And then Culber and Culber and Stamets discuss Adira and the that Gray has left, but that they're so proud that they have been like working on the algorithm, doing so great. And then Adira's like, I'm awake. And then they're like, the work is done. Adira, oh yeah, Stamets puts his coat on Adira. So cute. Yeah. And then he's like, Slumped yeah. over sleeping. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Uh, but uh, it's just cute. I just loved it so much. Yeah, I like, it was very I like sweet. Adira and Adira, their new dads. Yeah, their two dads. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's definitely like a dad moment. And they talk about that in, in the ready room. Oh, they do? Great. Mm. Because it's, who could think Super of two, two better dads? Um, anyway. The best. Yeah. They're yin and yang. And that is episode eight of season three of Star Trek Discovery Sanctuary. 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 Okay, so I have some weird theories. Okay. Art thou ready for tinfoil tin, tin tin foil time? Anyway, that's the beginning of the sound. I like it. Uh, I don't know how much of that came through from the keyboard directly. There's all this like reverb and weird stuff in there that I'm... Yeah. Anyway, these are thoughts that I'm having. Okay. One, I would like to see... I would like a relationship that Kirk and Khan have to develop between Osira and Michael. I think it's it's so ready because Osira hates books so much. And Michael loves books so much. 
and imagine Osira like kidnaps Book in one of these episodes or something or like tortures him. Oh man, Michael would be so mad and you would have a whole wrath of Khan, but it would be wrath of Osira or something. Anyway, that's a dream. It doesn't have to come to fruition. You don't have to listen to me. Oh, high and mighty writers of Star Trek Discovery, just keep it in mind. Um, uh, I think Giorgio, based on what we saw for the next time, I feel like Giorgio has some weird way of like escaping death. But I wonder if it involves like going back to the Terran Empire or something like that. What do you think? I don't know about the escaping death, but the clip that you... Oh, do you have some... You know something. I have some knowledge. So the clip that we see, um, an exclusive clip. So the next episode is all Giorgio. And one thing that we see is is Glasses, your favorite friend, Glasses, comes back. Glasses comes back. David Cronenberg comes back, Yes. yes. And he has a chat with Dr. Colbert, and they surmise if you like that Giorgio has not only like jumped through through time but has also jumped a dimension and she is only the second person to have done that in the history of time travel as they know it and then there's a really interesting part where they like they show a hologram of the only other being that has done this before and they show them in a Star Trek Next Generation uniform and it's not a character we're familiar with. Oh, interesting. Mm. But it's like, see, you know, it's that kind of awkward series, like season one or two, that kind mm-hmm. of zip up uniform that they didn't like. Because there's only one character I know who has done that. Who's that? I just can't imagine they'd be bringing back. Tasha Yar? No, it's not Tasha Yar. Okay. It was like Maybe sort of a, saying. it's an alien... Oh, it's not a non non standard humanoid alien. Yeah, it's humanoid, but it's it's jumped universes and time. Yeah, it's not Wesley. No, Will Wheaton himself. Will Wheaton. Um, Will Wheaton. It's not Tasha Yar, even though she did do some time time movering around. And I think that had to do with the mirror universe. But hey, whatever. (laughs) Anyway, the point is that her atoms are at war with each other because they are battling with cross cross universe and also Mm. cross time. So it's like quantum entangled the strings inside the atoms. uh, Dancing in strange ways. That's interesting. Okay. Mm. Well, you say that the next episode, I mean... You know, the next episode is a part one. Oh, is it? It's a TBT, TBC record, TBC TBC? record. (laughs) It's a TBC episode to be continued. Funsies. I think. Methinks. Uh, What else? But you think book is going to, we're going to see book. Oh God. Can you imagine? We're going to see book. Book with his shirt off again? Well, of course we'll see book with his shirt off again. It's only happened two or three times. It needs to happen at least once more, but book in the discovery uniform looking smart in I his blue and gold do you think well he says i i at the end of this episode and she says one eye and he goes yes i know you know but it seems like he wants to stick around and she says mm-hmm. you need to talk to saru about your intentions maybe he gets a you know little anyway i would not be mad about it i mean would he sort of take on a you know consultant capacity kind yeah, of role he'd be like Guinan. And may not have to wear the Star Trek uniform. I guess. But he should have to wear it. I mean, come on. Sorry, the, the Federation uniform. Yeah. He should, he should, 
It's not even, it's, it's the discovery special science vessel uniform. It's not even a normal Federation standard issue, you know, not, not not anymore. It isn't true. But even in Feder, even in their original time, like the, the more, the more conventional clothing that we saw from TOS was worn by like, yeah, Pike and number one and, and Admiral Cornwell. Look at that. Good job. Thank Good you. Good job. I almost it's only said taken two wall. seasons, two and, yeah. and a half seasons. I can't do it. I hope they never bring that character back. It's too confusing for me. Uh, Cornwell. Cornwell. They all Cornwell. wore conventional suits. I feel like Discovery has those special suits because it was a science vessel, very specifically. Hmm. And not a like exploratory vessel or a war vessel. True. Very possibly. I would have to think back on... I'll have to get into some serious no, nerdship for that. True, because the Shenju also had the same uniforms, if I'm recalling. But was that a science mm. vessel? Anyway, these are things I will Google in my free time. Naturally. Uh, these any, are the things uh, that we text each other about. That's right. Mm-hmm. Where you text me during daylight hours and I text you uh, 18 hours later, four or five hours. No, like three in the morning. When, yeah. I'm, when, I, when I'm thinking at my best. <laughs> uh, okay, so any quotable moments? Let me just do oh, the you thing. You do it so well, gonna... though. Quotable moments. Yeah, you're you're Quotable like moments. You have your pitch perfect. I know. Well, you know, I did I, I did it off the cuff as I do every time. Off the cuff. Um, off the cuff. Uh, my favorite has to be, and it's I mean naturally there's always going to be a Giorgio comment for such a warm and fuzzy human. You've got very cold hands, but it was more about her delivery. Yes, I also liked the Giorgio quote from that scene because she says. 930 years of medical advancements and you still need fancy equipment to deconstruct me, I could deconstruct both of you with a snappy insult and a withering gaze. That I want that on a cup. <laughs> oh, that's too that's, good. That's heavy. That's great stuff. I could, I could give you that on a cup. We could arrange okay, for no, that. No, no. I shouldn't have said that yeah, in front of you because I know you can just, you're I'll just making cups. On a cup. You're going cup crazy. I make cups. I did enjoy the that, that Detmer quote too. If you can face something, you can beat it. Even though it's mm. super macho and kind of not at all how I live my life, but I dug that. It's yeah, a good. It's, it's very. It's very pilot. Mm-hmm. It's very. You can see the kind of captain Detmer would be mm. in this sort of Pike vein. Detmer yes. would have a real hit it, punch it. Let's stand up to this, you know, honorable but gutsy. Yeah. Uh, not to, and and also as we said, Saru's thing is carry on. So whatever, that's good for Saru. Indeed. Remember that he can shoot darts out of his head. So, yeah, you know, walk softly, but carry a big stick, as they say. Indeed. No, uh, I did enjoy like the, the the thread of trying to figure out Saru's command. Yes, that was quite. I fun. thought that was super super great and a total freaks touch. So, so handled so well within like a bunch of heavy stuff, it happens. And this was another, you know, for everyone's complaints about Discovery, this was a classic Star Trek style episode even though they have they still have their overarching themes but this was a an encapsulated we go to this planet we fix a thing at this planet kind of thing mm. you know uh so shut up already to those who dislike it all right um that's all i have to say shall we move on to next time next time on set phasers Next time on Set Phasers, we'll probably hear the book theme again. God, I hope we do. And uh, maybe I'll release that as a single. I don't know. That's I, As I was telling Steph before the show, 
it's my best work. It's the sexiest thing I've ever written. So With the ad-libbing on the top, it certainly is. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could do that all day. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So next time on, on Set Phrases, we will be discussing episode nine of season three, which is entitled Terra Firma Part One. So get ready for a cliffhanger. Get ready to be ugh, upset. I'll be mad for a week after it. Ooh, Activate's not bad. Oh, Cindy, these are great mm-hmm. ideas. Launch. Great ideas, Cindy. Activate is very surreal. Activate. I like yeah. that. So I'm, like, I'm into it. Activate. I, I, I'm, I could see him saying carry on and then like he like just crosses his legs Picard style, you know? Hmm. Uh, anyway. Activate. With my cup of old gray. Activate number one. Um, oh, sorry. I'm supposed to say things. Anyway, that's what's happening next week. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> if you enjoyed the program, you can catch us every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Facebook Live, or you can catch us as a podcast every Monday, wherever podcasts come from. Please subscribe. Please do. We are on Facebook at Set Phasers, and of course on Instagram as well at Set Phasers Podcast. Feel free to follow along and join in the conversation of all things Trek. And if you want to support us directly in our continuing mission to discover what Discovery has in store for us, we'd only be delighted. You can patronize us. We can take it by going to patreon.com slash set phasers. Along those lines, Steph, we have something special planned this weekend, do we not? Yes, this weekend we have a Netflix watch party on Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern. And we are going to watch together, you, me, Aki, and the our, our, our Patreon community are going to watch TNG... The uh, Unification Parts 1 and 2 from uh, Next Generation that preceded Unification 3, the Which previous was the last episode. Ep- yes, yes. We're going yes. to pre-precede the preceding episode with the, yep. the two episodes that preceded. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. That was what I had to say. Oh, yeah. And oh, right now it's me. Um, so thank you very much for listening. And until next time, I'm Steph Manns. And I'm Aki Burmese, and this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical uh-huh, Star Trek podcast. I'm so paying attention. Computer and program. With the buttons, the buttons, the buttons. You've got to do I buttons. got it. I got, got it. work to do. I just have to look pretty. <laughs>